BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome. Hey, guys, we got some UFC 300 news. I want to get to that, but first, DDP is supposedly out of the running for the main event. What do you think is going to happen instead? I got an idea. I'm going to get to that. Plus, Money Meccano wants Patty the Batty, and Illy Taporia is talking quite a big game heading into next week's title fight. Guys, let's get to it, and you know what? I want to begin right here. Dana White went on Pat McAbee's show, and he said... We're still going to do Connor and Chandler. We have no date. It will not be June. And we're currently looking to the fall. So, our guess when Dana pulled June was that he was getting ready to be able to put it in April. And we're now finding out that it's not. You guys understand what I'm saying to you right now? I want to make sure that you're following this. Son, are you all right? Are you being funny? Or do you need me? You can come over. Do you need me? People love to see you, but I've interrupted the video now. You want to come over here? All right. I got my little boy with me. He was making making a look. This is Thero. Maybe he was responding from Chandler or Connor, but guys, stay with me. This is one of the bigger things that I've told you in a meaningful period of time. Dana came out three weeks ago and says, Connor's not fighting in June, and then he smirks. That's it. It's very important they understand this. Nah, Connor's not fighting in June. And there's a smirk. And the topic at the time was 300. So we, on our own, decided that the smirk had to do and the cancellation of June with 300. We decided that on their own. We were not told that in any fashion. We were just told it wasn't June and had a smirk. So now that Dana's gone to Pat McAfee and said, no, it's not about 300, and no, it's not about June, and no, we don't even have a date, and the best-case scenario, it's going to be towards the end of the year. Do you understand what just happened? Connor got scolded. Connor has never been scolded publicly. And I don't know why he got scolded. I don't think that Connor did anything wrong. Connor came out. I don't like the word lie. I think an entertainer has the ability to tell a story. You have fictional stories and you have non-fictional stories. I don't think you have a lie. But Connor came out with information and delivered it as though it was just that information. And it was misinformation. That he and Chandler were going to headline T-Mobile Arena 
International Fight Week of 2024, date June 29th. And he did that as an old carny trick that generally will work as long as the media you deliver it to reports it as though it's news, not speculation. And they did. Connor got him. Connor did everything right, and Connor should have won. You run into a situation where your media partners are going to call you and go, hey, wait a minute. You didn't have this plan for June 29th, but you plan to do it, right? Yeah, I plan to do it. Okay. Well, do you have something else planned for the 29th? No, I don't. Okay, well, do it. No, I'm not going to do it. Why aren't you going to do it? You said you're going to do it. You don't have anything else planned. It's a big fight. You're going to do the fight. Why Do it there because we've already told the audience. And whether we got duped or not, you can cover us. If you actually make the fight, we now aren't duped. The difference between being duped and being scooped, which means you went first, which adds to credibility, is just that the information ends up coming to fruition. And in spite of all of that, Dana told Pat McAfee, I'm not going to do it, which means Dana did not like the stunt. Neither guy reported sick. Neither guy reported injured. Connor actively trying to box Pacquiao and putting out training footage. Michael Chandler, possibly the most disciplined guy in our sport. Two a day, every day, six days a week. Nobody's sick and nobody's hurt. There was a scolding. Make no mistake about it. And we all steal ideas from one another. We all sit back. We all see what works. I would have supported what Connor did. I liked how he did it. I liked how he led into it. I liked that it was New Year's. I liked that it was pre-recorded. I liked everything except for the little sissy wine, the little the little wine swear. I liked the whole bit. But if we are watching each other and we're observing and we're skilling ideas and seeing what works and what doesn't, this one just got a very public rebuke. Make sure you witness that. right now. He cannot breathe before the announcement of the main event for 300 without me thinking it's related, judging the sigh, judging what he was wearing, judging where he was looking, judging how many times he blinked when he made the statement. I am completely what is going to be 300? Now, let me just give you an example. Dana came out today and he said the opening bout is going to be Garbrandt versus Figueroa. It's for 300. Now, 100% Dana White's point is to let you know how loaded this card is. This card is so stacked for bear that two world champions are going to go toe-to-toe in the opening fight of the night. Which, by the way, for one of the only times in company history, will be sold out. And that's a part that I hope the marketing team gets behind, because it's going to be right. It's a hard thing to promise, but I'm, I'm telling you right now. MMA fans are very different from boxing fans. Very different. But we also get promised. We have a different deal. We, we get a five-fight main card that were promised by the promoter. But it will be full. 
when Garbrandt and Figueredo fight the opening match of the night, which will leave the locker rooms at 3.30. And I'll even predict for you, because it's UFC 300, they're going to buy some time, and those guys will likely make the walk at 3.15 for the fight and bell to ring at 3.30, which is fascinating. That means people are, are leaving the hotel for the arena at just past noon. Might stop, they might get some lunch, but it'll be it'll be all in one. This is gonna be it's gonna be awesome. And this is Dana's point. Dana's point. But why did he make it? He's never done that before, so why did he do it here? No reason? Was it no reason at all? There was no on sale, by example. There wasn't a new distribution partner, there wasn't a new t-shirt out. Said UFC 300 by today. There was no reason to make that point. So why did he make the point? In the history of UFCs, he has never, in the form of a press release, stated what the opening match of the night would be. Why did he do it here? Is it just because it's so good? Is it just because it is two world champions and it's 300? Maybe. Maybe. Or is it because you don't have your main event? And everything that he has said, I have taken at its word. I think it's one of my problems. I think I am making a mistake. But the reason I'm not going to correct my behavior, I'm having fun. This is fun for me. I've never been in a spot like this. I'm just a fan. It's a fan of my career spot. I'm a fan when I talk to you guys now. I'm just a fan. I've never got to have fun guessing what a card is. This is my first time. Like, I could call Dan, and I don't know that he would tell me. I mean, if it really was a secret, he, he's he's not going to tell. But I, w I would get enough information. So why don't I do it? Well, I don't want I don't want to know. I'm having fun. I'm having fun guessing. But when I say I took everything in his word, I mean, let me just give you a few of those words. It's going to be jaw-dropping. We aren't even going to be able to handle it. It's such a big fight. Now, I understand the laws of attraction. I understand trying to line the universe. I understand good intention, right? Hell is paved on the path of good intentions. And that's where those went. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that until it was revealed to me when it was stated. In fact, I have two great fights in mind, and I haven't decided which one I'm going to go with. Ooh. Okay, what well, that means I don't have I don't have a fight yet. I got two ideas. I got two ideas that can meet the criteria of jaw dropping. I got two ideas that you're not gonna be able to handle. I got two ideas they're gonna melt the airwaves. But I don't have either bird in the hand. That's what that meant. And one of those ideas I can confirm for you accurately was Izzy versus DDP. I knew that fight had been offered. Now, if I'm to be completely transparent with you, neither DDP or Izzy was told it was going to be main event, but both Izzy and DDP believed it was going to be. What do you do with that? How do you draw that distinction? Uh, I, I don't know how to. That's why I'm just handing it to you. You do what you want with that. They both thought when they were negotiating that they were negotiating a main event. The pay and the structure for it made them feel as though it was main event, but the pay and the structure would not change 
in title versus main event. And see, that's where it's a, it's a, there's a little bit of unclarity there. And the only reason I bring that to you is that is gone. That's gone. That's not going to happen. And I'm not positive that that would drop anybody's draw considering we had already been promised it in August of last year. And there was some real excitement, but it wasn't dropping draws back then. So what's left? And if we're going to bring somebody in out of retirement, that would drop the jaws for sure. You do a Khabib, you do a George St. Pierre, you drop people's jaws. You have a problem though, which is they are not compliance with USADA. I understand USADA is gone, but I also watched, I watched the press release the day Hunter and Novitsky told USADA, here's your hat, what's your hurry? And one thing that they were very cautious to do, and it was quite possibly the most intelligent move of the night, that was a big game of chess they were playing with USADA. But the checkmate there is when Hunter gave them their hat and showed them the door, he said, oh, and by the way, we've heard all of your suggestions and recommendations, and we're going to take them all. Not because we have to, and not even because we necessarily agree with them. We're just going to take them all anyway, so that there's no debate. And one of those points that is specifically pointed at Connor was that he needed to wait 180 days upon his return. If it's good for Connor, it's going to be good for everybody, which is why I'm telling you the return is so damn unlikely. And it's unlikely for other reasons than just that, but it's just so damn unlikely. So now, one of the problems with doing a matchup within a division, with doing any kind of a parody of doing any kind of a rematch is, is you, you would automatically lose the criteria of you can't handle this. If I've already seen it once and I've proved I can handle it. If it's a champion, which most certainly UFC 300 gets capped off with a title. Can we agree on that? We don't know anything, but can we agree that if we're operating with any type of sense, we, we have to start with that. You might get lucky making a guess in some other direction and it sticks, but for any level of sophistication and any level of showing that you pay attention, can we agree that it has to be for a title? Okay, great. Run up and down those titles. Run up and down them any way you want. Pick any champion. Now, go look at the roster. Put them with anybody in the top 10. We don't go outside of the top five. And there's only one exception to what I just said in modern times, which was Sean Strickland, who came in at number six when he challenged. We don't go out of the top five. So let's just go the top 10. Do you have anybody in the top 10 in any division versus a champion of any city division that would be a fight that you just couldn't handle, that would drop your draw? No, you don't. Do you have any fight with any sitting champion against anybody in the top 10 of any division that has some kind of heat on it right now that we're wondering what is the holdup? Oh, and by the way, one other criteria that is not already signed. No, no, you sure don't. No, we already got Volkanovsky taking on Teporia. And we already got Sugar Sean, who is vying for the starts sports biggest star. Sean was chasing Izzy down as Izzy was chasing Connor down. Connor is not currently licensed, and Izzy has not announced he's coming back. You better believe, you better believe Sugar Sean's that big, because he is but he's already booked. So 
you then do have an outside chance. Like believing, believing we've had two UFC hundreds, right? One was called 100, one was called 200. One thing that they both had in common was a feature on heavyweights. Brock Lesnar was the star of UFC 200. I know that pains you, and I know you don't want to admit it. I know that's not even the way you remember it. He wasn't the main event, and it wasn't a time. Brock Lesnar was the star. They quite literally, when they signed Brock, upped ticket prices a collectively 22.5%. Did you know that? They did. Brock was the star. Brock was also the star and the main event of 100. Now, I don't think you'd be right to say collectively the theme there is Brock. I think you'd be right collectively to understand that the big boys still rule the day and heavyweight is still the most coveted division. I think you would also be right to look at the board and understand how bizarre it is that Tom Aspinall your most decorated and excitable and sellout and monetizable heavyweight has no fight. That makes no sense. So then you start to wonder, well, who are you going to put him against? And Piera starts to become more of a possibility. I think that from a sleeper standpoint of satisfying title fight didn't see that coming, giving an opportunity to a guy to be three-time, three-time, three-time champion would definitely fit the bill of storyline. I think that it is leading from a realistic standpoint of not seeing some rock turned over and bringing somebody back. I, I think that it has to be considered. We have one title being contested which is Max versus Justin. Now, that is an awesome fight. It has one problem. Nobody ever asked to see Max versus Justin. That includes Max and his managers. That includes Justin and his managers. None of you, that never, ever was asked for. So it's got just a little, just a little, little hint, right? We, we, we had... A champion within the BMF. And he was the sport's second biggest star. His name was George Mosvidal. And we fought him multiple times. But he never got to put that belt up. So now we're giving a lesser star and a lesser draw in a lesser fight. Colby Covington versus George Mosvidal in a main event of a pay-per-view for the BMF, of which George was reigning champion, greatly trumps undercard 300 Max and Justin. Greatly. But we didn't put the belt up there. We are here. Two guys in two different weight classes that nobody asked for. I love it. I love the fight. It doesn't mean you don't still have to worry about a problem of looking desperate. Now, they brought it in and signed it at the right time. Had they brought, had they not brought that in and signed that yet, they've got the whole rest of the card to go, and then they announced that, and they're doing this interchangeable weight class. So now if you come in with a main event of 205 versus heavy, now you're looking like, man, I didn't have anything else to do. Doing weird things are fun, I agree. And doing weird, fun things are jaw-dropping because we don't get to have a whole lot of fun over here. But if you do multiple weird things, you either got to steer into it and go, this is the theme of the night. I'm bringing you parody. You can't get anywhere else. 
Okay, great. If that's what you're doing, give me three, four, five of those matches. I'm in. You give me two of those matches. It sounds like. Well, doesn't sound like something you intended to do. So for UFC 300, I'm great at coming over and picking it apart. I'm great at telling you all the things that we can't do. I'm not confident that I have been clever or creative or insightful enough to accurately predict for you what we're going to do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Duplessis comes out yesterday. Duplessis says, I'm not going to be fighting Izzy at 300. Talked about it could be bigger. Talked about it could be in Africa. Talked about a lot of wonderful things. I, I'm good with the whole thing. Stop. The only message that we need there is he turned down the fight. Or is he turned down the fight? For 300. We are all done here. What part of that are we missing? Now... Hold on, and let's back up. We had Duplessis versus Israel Adesanya promised to us August of last year. It didn't happen. So what happened? It did not happen. So what happened? It's not a trick question. Tell me. Sean Strickland stepped in. Sean Strickland fought Izzy Adesanya. That's right. That's right. The show moved on. So... When that fight had reached conclusion, we were going to do Adesanya versus Strickland again. And when that became clear, no, we're not, we moved on to trying to find a contender for Sean Strickland, which we did. His name is Kanzat Chemaev. That's what happened. So, much like we were promised... Duplessis and Izzy. Make sure you understand what the promise is, by the way. The promise is, I promise that I will try to make that match. Which another way of saying that is, I promise if everybody is in the condition I believe, which is healthy, willing, and under active contract, I will offer the match. That would be the most complete way that Dana could ever Make you a promise. Like, if, if he wanted to add the words to it when he says, hey, I promise, or hey, I, he didn't use the word promise, but you get what I'm saying, right? When he gives a commitment, when he gives his word, when he says, here's the number one contenders match, here's what we're going to do. When he says that, what does that mean? It means if everybody involved, I mean, this guy and this guy, this athlete and this athlete are in the condition which I believe, which is healthy, willing, and under active contract. If that is true, and let's start with that, I will then offer them a match. That is the commitment that Dana White is making. And 100% of the time, Dana White has come through on that commitment. He then gets the surprise of the lifetime, which is these two guys that are fighters who just got presented with their biggest opportunity didn't want it. There is no way for him to have seen that coming. If he knew at all that these guys aren't going to want the biggest opportunity that he's going to be able to offer them, he wanted to sign them in the first place. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because we were told it was going to be Duplessis and Izzy. It wasn't Duplessis and Izzy. Why? Because Duplessis said no. 
So we did Strickland versus Izzy. Of which then we would get around to Duplessis, but there was an upset that nobody saw. Strickland was a six to one dog, and it was a dominant upset, not to mention in kickboxing fashion. It was a really surprise match. You gotta re- you gotta redo the match. That's the direction that they went in. Izzy comes out, makes it real clear he's not redoing it. I'm not doing anything. And when I return, it's going to be to a striking contest in 2027. All right, now that was just his way of saying, leave me alone for now. I'm serious for now, right? It was his Khabib retirement moment, except he wasn't going to fully retire. Wasn't leaving the pool, wasn't going to say goodbye, but he needed a minute. No problem. But what did we do? We moved on to Chemayev. Chemayev hurt his hand, couldn't make the fight, possible visa issue. So what did we do? We moved on to Duplessis. Duplessis has his own Strickland moment when he upsets, in controversial fashion, Strickland. Now, everybody wants that rematch, but we can't do it. Why can't we do it? Because we got to have them ready by 300. That and that alone is where Izzy and Duplessis comes in. So when Duplessis comes out and he says, I'm not fighting him at 300, you are now not fighting him. You might be fighting him, but we might also honor what we already promised, which is Jemayev, who is now healthy. We might do the unforeseen after you did the unforeseen, which is upsetting Sean in the first place and get you guys back together, which is what the audience wants. So the only thing that I'm attempting to achieve right now It's not to say that it's not Izzy Duplessis, right? If Izzy comes back, Izzy's always the number one contender, always, always in line to be the number one contender. There was a cup of coffee there where Izzy said, I don't want it. I don't know if that had to do with the respect to Sean. He wanted to give him his minute. Or if he just wanted to move down the card, have a little less pressure. Maybe not have the five-round fights. I don't know. I have to leave it at I don't know. Izzy didn't say, but he did say, my next fight, is going to be for fun. He did say that. And it was in the context of asking him, are you going to pursue a rematch? Are you going to pursue a championship fight? Are you going to leave the division and go after Pierre at 205 pounds? And Izzy just said, no, I'm going to stay at 185, and it's going to be about fun. I haven't had fun in a while. It was a very fair comment from a guy that has had the world's highest amount of pressure right on his shoulders. So... When Duplessis says, I'm not fighting Izzy at 300, okay, let me stop you right there. Then you're not fighting Izzy, not as of now. That offer is not good for 301. It wasn't good for 299. It's not good for 304. It might someday become good again, but it's not right now. And this isn't Chael's argument. This is the argument that Bo Nickel is going to need to make. I might be getting ahead of myself. I always throw Bo into that mix, don't I? But I might be getting ahead of myself, and I might be putting a little too much on Bo. But it is the argument that Chemayev needs to make. It is the argument that Strickland needs to step up and make. Strickland watched himself getting drawn right out of this painting. But he also understood why. He didn't like it, but he understood. This is about a main event for 300. The moment, which was exactly 32 hours ago, that Drigas Duplessis told the world, I'm not fighting Izzy at 300. The rest of the contenders need to step up and say, then you're not fighting Izzy. I mean, not for nothing. What is Whitaker and Paulo Costa fighting for? That, that is amongst the hardest, that is amongst the most sure thing bludgeonings 
that Dana White has put together in the last half a decade. Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker, both, the winner and the loser, are going to be different when that fight is over. Do you understand that? That that is one of the most dangerous and violent collisions they have put together since Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje. So what's it for? Even Eddie and Gaethje fought for a title. The most violent man. What are these guys fighting for? And I only bring that to you because is it a number one contendership? It doesn't have to be. We don't have to make every great fight a number one contendership, but that sure is a special fight. Whitaker and Paulo Costa, regardless of their terrible job of exciting all of us, that is a bludgeoning of a decade. What are they doing it for? Well, you couldn't do it for a number one contendership. That was going to Izzy, we thought, two, three hundred. We thought. Now, no, it's not the case. Everything is back on the table. I'm not anointing that fight the number one contender's fight. I think we have a number one contender. I think his name is Sean Strickland. I think we have a number one contender. I think his name is Kosmat Chemayev. I think we have a number one contender. He just has to return. His name is Israel Adesanya, but he hasn't returned. That's exactly what DDP's point was about. He won't be back in time. Which means there isn't a number one contender which means that spot is back open. And it's not for me to come out and tell you guys. It was 32 hours ago. You should have heard from Bo, and you should have heard from Sean. You should have heard from Paulo Costa. You're not going to hear from Whitaker any more than you're going to hear from Jared Cannonier. You're, you're, you're just not. There's a lot of guys that should be speaking up, and it shouldn't just be me. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now for available lines and odds for Super Bowl 58. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use my code SHALE. New customers can bet five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with promo code CHAIL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language, but you didn't feel like you had the time or even the energy to invest? Maybe you took some classes in high school or college, but you haven't practiced in years. Or maybe you just want to impress your girlfriend's parents by learning their native language. Rosetta Stone has you covered. They have been the expert in language learning for 30 years 
and have been used by millions of people. You can download the app onto your phone or your tablet so you can learn on the go. I know many of you did not have the time to take a class or read through a book. Rosetta Stone has made learning convenient and effective through their immersive learning approach. What do I mean by immersive? Well, it's the same thing as if you watch MMA fights on TV, but you never get into the gym. Getting into the gym and taking kickboxing or jujitsu classes helps you to understand the sport and become one with it. Rosetta Stone's lessons are designed for long-term retention of language skills rather than short-term memorization. The focus of the program is preparing you for real, authentic conversations, not just knowing a couple of translations. It's like having your own personal trainer or language learning. You can take Rosetta Stone with you onto the treadmill in your daily commute or even start the day while you're getting ready for work with just 10 minutes a lesson. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started and for a very limited time. My listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's all you have to do. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. That's a steal. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh my God! Volkanovsky is plus 125. Teporia is minus 100. That is stunning. There is, Volk has never had a fight this close, not since we've known he was Volkanovsky. And we found out he was Volkanovsky right around 11 or 12 and 0. Many, many years. I've served suspensions and returned since we've known he was Volkanovsky. So don't be like a jerk and go back to the free, you found some little dot com somewhere. Not when the big boys, not when the DraftKings of the world have been covering him. He has never been in a buck twenty five versus a, a one hundred. Never. He wasn't there when he was supposed to get beat by Islam three months ago. That was three to one the first time they went off. It was two to one the second time after people saw how close it was. He has never, this is weird, guys. This is weird. I'm not sure how we got to this point. Now, 
I'm going to bury my lead, and I am fully aware that my hypocrisy knows no bounds. I'm going, I'm going to make you guys this piece today. I'm going to tell you all the problems that I have with DraftKings line. That doesn't mean that when you click tomorrow and I give you a prediction that I'm not going to take Volkanovski. I don't know. I really don't know yet. I'm still giving this an analysis. I'm very comfortable in telling you guys. And I would tell you guys, if Ilya Tapori was right here, I'd be very comfortable just having this conversation and sharing with Ilya Tapori my thoughts, which is, hey, Ilya, you are nowhere near as good as Volk. Your body of work up until this point is nowhere near as impressive as Volk. The biggest and most known thing that you have done until your last two fights, in all fairness, is you had a water bottle thrown at your head by Patty Pimlet, and then you got named Mr. Water Bottle. Now, I don't say that to put Taporia down at all. is awesome. Not to mention he's handsome. Not to mention he's fun. Not to mention he's bilingual. Not to mention he's trying to entertain you guys. He's at least taking a, a shot in the direction of being more than just a fighter. I throw, I throw punches at people three times a year. I'm a really tough guy. You're all tough guys. You're the ultimate tough guys. So... I would never say that to insult Taporia. It's just a reality of comparing anybody to Volk. Volk's the best. He's the best. I don't feel that he should have lost his standing in the pound for pound. And I don't fight back at when he got finished in the last fight. There was a lot going into that where, that, where that's not as unexpected. But you, you still got there's still consequence. And I wouldn't I wouldn't push back. But I had massive pushback when people tried to take that spot from him after the first fight. Considering he was the one giving up size, at any rate. At any rate, that's how good he is. So, when I tell you that I would tell Taporia, DraftKings is putting you way over. DraftKings is providing an opportunity for anybody that follows this sport to damn near double their money on Volk. It's the safest bet I've ever seen. I wouldn't say that to hurt his feelings. It's a comparison. It's a comparison. And I don't know if there's anybody else that I could say that to Pori about. I think Tapori is the rightful number one contender. I think he's awesome. And I'm not sure he's not going to be world champion. Volk has a massive timing issue against him, and DraftKings is recognizing it. That's what's happening here. Volk is coming off a loss. There's not a lot of times in history, like there's some things in history that you could look to to place your bets. And the great handicappers do. The people at DraftKings, the people in person specifically that DraftKings hires to set the line in the first place. All they get hired to do is to set a line. You guys are the ones that move it. That, that's a real, that's a true misunderstanding on how a line gets moved. I don't hear a lot of handicappers ever talking about it. I really don't hear Ian Parker explain it. I really don't hear John Anik explaining it. And I think they don't because they assume that you know. And either they're right or I'm right. They're, they're either correct or I'm condescending prick to you right now. But I don't think that I am. I don't think that you understand. They set the line. You guys' money then moves it. It moves naturally. It moves mathematically. This line has been set for 64 days. And it's come closer to Taporia. If money comes in from South America on their boy the way that it comes in on McGregor from Ireland when he fights by the time they touch down and get to Las Vegas, he's going to end up being the favorite. 
So it's, it's a very fascinating situation that we're at here. And I'm telling you right now, the guy that DraftKings hired to give the line that looks at numbers is not doing a comparison of skills. He's looking at the numbers of how many fighters can come in against somebody who's never lost 15, 16, and 0, which is what I think Tapori is at, 16 and 0 momentum versus a guy that got woken up in his last fight. And you just don't have a lot of data to turn to. So if you do turn to that type data, it's going to be skewed 98, 98.5% towards Ilya Taporia. Like, there's certain things you can bet on here. Let, let, let me give you one. I gave you guys this one, and then Karen Bryant was sweet enough over time. Still to this day, Karen Bryant, when she cites this, will coin me. And it was very sweet of her, so I try to do my best because I stole it from Max Kellerman. Karen got it from me, but I got it from Max Kellerman in a fight. If two guys fight and the younger guy wins, if they rematch, the younger guy will win again only quicker. So... If it was a decision the first time, at a minimum, he will get his, but he'll win more rounds. If he knocked him out the first time, when they rematch, he'll knock him out again, but faster. And that is something that you can take to the bank. It is damn near as good as Detroit on Thanksgiving, which I realized in the last uh, decade and a half got a little bit skewed, but through my lifetime... Detroit always won on Thanksgiving. And I'm telling you, it's that one stat that has skewed this whole line. And Volkanovsky, who's the best fighter in the world, and if he's not, then he's the second best fighter in the world. I don't love that he lost his standing as number one. I don't love that. But, but if I can't win that argument, he's still the second best. And guess who's not number three? Taporia. Guess who's not number seven? Taporia. Guess who's not number 17? Taporia. But DraftKings has it at negative, uh, plus 125 to negative 100? How do you have the number two guy in the world against a guy that's not even on the list anywhere? And you got it at almost even money? I'm answering the question for you guys. It's not rhetorical. I'm letting you know where these things come from. There's other data that that handicapper who's paid by the biggest boys in the sport, DraftKings. And he's not looking at, he doesn't care if one guy's a white belt and one guy's a black belt. He doesn't look at any of that. He doesn't care who wants it more, who needs it more, whose uh, bank accounts, whose mother fed them better. He didn't look at any of that. He's looking at a stat that he can't ignore. He can't have his job and ignore it. And the stat says if one guy has won 16 straight and the other guy just got knocked out and they fight, who wins? History says the guy on 16th straight, but it's a riddle. It's a riddle. If you bring someone in that doesn't know our sport, they just look at numbers. They would be able to bet. The great bettors don't have to ever watch our sport. They could just look at numbers, and they'll know, they, but they know what numbers to look at. They know what to manipulate. They know what stands out. They know what matters. Like the example that I gave you about younger fighters in rematches against older fighters. They know what to look for. The example that I told you of Detroit on Thanksgiving, right? Really, you in the know. I'm, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek with that, but you in the know know exactly what I'm referencing. And that is what he looked at. But it's a riddle. How many times has a guy found himself in a world title fight? How many times has the guy in the world title fight been the champion who's bringing the title that they're fighting for, and he's coming off a loss? It's a riddle. There's more to it. DraftKings is getting ready to print money. 
Volkanovski, the best fighter in the world, who is not fighting the next best fighter in the world, is damn near even money at DraftKings. Hello, is this on? Can you hear me? has called out Patty. And I have to word it like that, because, you know, first off, Moicano's interviews are tough to understand. I mean, he's jumping around, he's going, and, and they're like these cautious thought, more than they have anything to do competitively. Like, generally, when I judge an interview, you would have told me a story, and you would have gained some traction in a direction, right? Who, what, when, why, and where? Have something to do with the ranking, have something to do with your goals, have something to do why it matters, have some kind of maybe a, a personal attachment, whatever it was, get us started, scratch the surface at a minimum. I realize you don't have a lot of time before Daniel, Anik, or Rogan takes that microphone, bisping it, take that microphone out of your hand. I realize that, but get us going in that direction, right? Shay will give you some props and probably going to scold you and give you the business if you don't achieve something along those lines. Moicano does none of them ever. I love Moicano interviews. He wants to be a police officer. Apparently to shoot at... Right? He wants to get somebody pregnant because his father at 62 did. Moicano likes steaks. Moicano needs money. Like, I don't know anything about fight. And I love this guy's interview. So it was very interesting that somehow he actually went down a path of building an actual fight for himself. And by the way, it's with Patty. Whoa, is there anything you want to see more? Is there any fight that you want to see more? Because see, we're we're at that point with Patty, and I will tell you, Patty's not the one holding up the party. Patty's hands are clean. He they are as clean. Sugar Sean went through this. Sugar Sean could beat everybody. He could sell more tickets than anybody. He could get a louder pop than anybody. He could get more questions at the press conference than anybody, but he couldn't get the ranked opponent. He couldn't get the guy that was going to bring him closer to his own personal goals. He was in a building phase. And this building phase was like killers, super hard opponents that just weren't well-known. And in this sport, if you're not well-known, you were then perceived to not be as talented, which is just... It's a problem with building fighters. It's why when you build somebody, it never works. You're much better to put them in with Murderer's Row, who you know about, you got a resume, you got tape on, you can talk to common opponents, you can find out some inside stuff. Look, before I digress into that, somehow Moicano gets into the wheelhouse of Patty. Now, he doesn't call him out straight up. He does want to fight him, but first, he wants Patty to fight Drew Dober. Okay. I, I just haven't observed this in my time in the sport. I have not observed somebody do a call-out, but first, you have to fight the guy that I just beat. Now, he must believe that Patty can beat Dober, who he just beat, but he wants to test Patty in some regard, and this is the part where I told you he kind of called out Patty. Like, I, is that a call-out? It sounds like one, and it sounds like we're in a really good direction. Let's, re let's remove the Dober part. Because there's no fighter that's going to match make for somebody else. Like, I, I don't believe there's ever a time that that has happened. And moreover, to put an undefeated UFC fighter over a guy that just suffered a loss two days ago. It just, just doesn't happen, right? Let's go back to this Moicano Patty business. A and I'll tell you what, Patty's in. I'll tell you right now, Patty's in. This whole idea that Patty wants to fight lesser known guys or Patty wants to fight guys 
that aren't as sharp now as they once were. That is not true. That is who Patty has been matched up with. Patty's in. And I want to see him fight Moicano. Like, there's something on that. There's something special behind that. I haven't had an update on Patty. By the way, they generally come in and has something to do with his diet, right? I mean, I, I Patty the fatty, I can't even tell you how annoyed I am. I'm, I, if you liked that kind of thing, I'm annoyed with you. We're not the same kind of guy. And you know people like that. Like, you find out the guy's got a pet tarantula at home, and you're like, oh, we're not... We don't have to speak anymore. We're just, we're not the same guy. He, he likes snake, likes to put snakes around his neck. Like, that's cool. I had a kid in school that had a jet, and he had a rat. He had a pet rat. And he would, he would run up his jacket, and then he would, like, come out the other side, and he'd show you it in class. And it's like, why do you have a rat and moreover in your coat? Anyway, the point is this. I haven't heard a lot about Patty. I don't believe he's hurt because I would have heard of his big name. And he must somewhat be in the gym. He must not be doing the fatty, the baddie, because there is a market out there that would be taking pictures and documenting it and wanting to find out last time he had a Bismarck on it. I mean, it's, it's one of these things. So I, just, I have a feel without knowing, I, but I have a feel that things are going well. So where the hell's this fight? What's the holdup? He had that long delay. People forget that. You know, Patty's comeback fight with Tony. Patty got a little fatigued in the third round. It was a comeback fight for Patty. He should have gotten fatigued. He had been out for a year. And he took on a guy who put a, a 90% or more of his emphasis into the training camp into cardio. I don't think Patty's getting a fair shake. That's what I'm saying. I want to get him back in there. I want to get some media. I love that Moicano called him out. Let's let's remove the Dober. Let's go right to Moicano. Let's go right to Patty. Moicano likes steaks. Moicano needs money. There was even some talk about UFC 300. I mean, it seems a little bit presumptuous to me. It seems a little bit uh, forward. And there's always something where guys in this sport, they, they all jump on the same ship. And it's, it's always the miss, right? Look, if you got 300, I would understand why you would pander and maneuver and negotiate to get yourself on it. But if you follow the sport, I mean, if you're sandhagging, you're still trying to get yourself a fight on 300. But if you follow the sport, right, if you're sunning, you realize they've already announced 10 fights. They only put 11 on a card. Even if you got a special one, you're going to bring in number 12 or you want to be a backup fight because generally somebody chickens out, and they will if 300, they do a ball of cards. It's still one of these things. We're careful going in a certain direction. If you're not going to get it, you look powerless. Before we digress and go down that road, though, it doesn't have to be 300. There's going to be something called 301, believe it or not. There's going to be something called 302, believe it or not. There's going to be something called 305. I'm just saying, Moicano versus Patty. Do you not like the idea? Is there something I don't know? Has there been press on Patty? Is Patty re-injured that knee? Is there something I'm missing? Because if there's not, I would like your opinion. Moicano versus Patty. How do you like the sounds of that? Justin Poirier is in such an interesting spot. And as each day goes by, I keep getting a little bit more interested. Like, it hasn't been possible for Dustin to speak about this fight without it making headlines. And there's multiple tests that Dustin is dealing with. And 
whether he knows it or not, he's going to be graded. He's going to be graded by the promotion. So let me give you a great example, guys. Let me tell you one of the biggest things that Dustin is up against right now, okay? It's, it's really a, a two-pronged litmus test. Dustin is a star. Not, not, not kinda. Not he's a really good fighter. They're all really good fighters. They're the ultimate in fighting. Dustin Poirier is a star. They will put a cameo on him or have him do a cameo. They flash a camera to him in the audience. He's doing nothing. He's in the audience wearing some fly shirt that I, I wish I had his shirt collection. I love him. That crowd will give a response while he stands there and does nothing. He don't rolling wolf pack, catch up, pull the sunglasses down. He does none of those things. He stands there. He no gimmick. They go crazy for this guy. Crazy for this guy. And is a constant main eventer. A guy that sells out arenas. This is one of the few guys that doesn't have to call out Conor McGregor and could get a fight with Conor McGregor, and we all know it. This is one of the few guys that does not have to campaign or lobby for Nate Diaz and could end up standing across from Nate Diaz, and we all know it. He's a star who's getting ready to do a co-main event spot. All right, great. First thing you must understand, the stars will generally fight each other, but every now and then they have to reprove their spot, and they really only have to do it once. If they can just do it once, they're not going to have to do it again for three to four years, and nobody's window is that long, Right? If, if you could keep that cycle going, then yeah, every three or four years, you're going to have to go out and do it again. And that's much, much closer to two and a half years. But you don't, he doesn't have two and a half years left in his career. Neither is Cotton, neither is any of them. That's a broad stroke statement. I'm trying to prove for you that when you get called upon to do that, that's the test. Are you going to say yes or are you going to say no? Before you ever then have the outcome of the match, right now is prong number one. Are you still a partner? Do you understand the business and do you have respect for it? Which is no matter how bright your light gets, before it dims, you pass it to somebody else. Whether you're going to be referred to as a scumbag in a private text message that gets seized by a courtroom full of scumbags or not is going to be based on that attitude right there. So, Poirier accepts the fight and he accepts it in a co-main spot. And that's number two. When I told you there's a test going on that he will be graded on, whether he even knows it's happening or not, can you, as the star in the co-spot, outsell the rest of the card? Whoever outsells the card is the star. The star of the night is not the highest ranked. 
He doesn't even have to win that night. He just has to sell more than everybody else. Can you, when you're pulled down the card, still outsell, outsell the top match? And Dustin, the answer right now is yes. He can't do anything that's not interesting. He came out and denied the fight a week ago, and then he apologized for denying the fight. He'd missed a call from his manager. He got a headline for both of them. I mean, it was a really interesting position. And then all of a sudden, Matt Brown is realizing this. And then Matt Brown goes and makes a piece about that a week later. Then you, you got Jesse on fire has got to talk about it. And now all of a sudden, Chael's, I heard Matt Brown and Jesse talk about it. Now I got to come and do a piece. I mean, I'm telling you, the guy can't go wrong. Now, he's talking about his opponent. And he's saying that, and don't forget, Poirier's an underdog, which, which is a colossal mistake. There is no justification for whoever set that line. They had better sit there, pucker up, crossing their fingers that they get that one right because there is nothing by the numbers that they can point to to justify telling DraftKings, my partner, that they should put more money opposite Poirier than form. There is nothing by the numbers, just so you understand this. This is 100% predicated on perception that one just got his hand raised at Madison Square Garden and one just got upset in Salt Lake City. And nobody has ever moved a line based on venue placement. That's what happened here. Madison Square Garden seemed so much more grandiose than Salt Lake City. That is what happened. But either way, Dustin is the underdog, and he has stayed, and Joe Rogan's even said it. And I don't know that Joe Rogan knows the other guy, and he's friends with Dustin, but Joe's just a straight guy. And Joe said, Dustin's getting his ass kicked by this guy. Joe said he's going to kick this guy's ass right back, but this guy is a killer. And for for the style they fight, this guy's going to come out and touch him up. Not to mention, this guy's got the wind at his back and he's got momentum, right? He needs something a lot more than the rich guy that's already had it. I understand all those concepts. There is nothing that Joe said that is wrong. And Dustin came out and said, I do my best work in this position. I do my best work as an underdog. Really? Is that true? I can't remember what time he was. I'd have to go back to when he was 26 years old. He's fighting Conor McGregor. Nobody knew he was. Some guy, short hairdo. Remember that? He had the short hairdo. That's all you knew about him. He's out of some place called Lafayette, Louisiana. You know, leading into that fight is a single, my single favorite line in the history of our sport. Conor McGregor dropped it promoting that fight. And nobody heard it and nobody appreciated it. <laughs> Do you guys know what it is? I've told you the story a few times. <laughs> Conor McGregor was like behind scenes. He wasn't even out in front of an audience. And this was when this was when it was poor Conor. You know, you, you you don't dress for the job that you have. You dress for the job that you want. It's a, it's a key to success. And you'll hear it. And it's a little bit cliche, but by God, it's very true. So you had poor Conor. He's in about a, a two hundred eighty, three hundred and ten dollar suit, all the way up with the bow tie. 
And these are not nice threads, by the way. These, this is just the nicest outfit that he could afford that would fit. And it only fit at certain times within his weight cut. I mean, it was this whole thing. He's in sunglasses. He's not in the Versace. He just in some, uh, the off the shelf, you know, he's trying to do the gimmick. It's just great spots. So but just imagine that. And he's got some cheap camera. You know, this is before he 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 commanded an Ari Alexa. All right, he's on somebody's like iPhone, and he's talking about Dustin. But it's the greatest it's the greatest line in the history of our sport. It's my favorite line, at least. He was talking about Dustin, and he and he defended him real fast. You know, he said, "Yeah, I'm a lot like him. I I, I appreciate him." Or something along these lines. And then, but here's the line, the exact quote. He says, "He's a nice little hillbilly from a circus town," but it was in the in the vein of defending him. Oh, he's like me. He's hungry. You know, he's taking opportunities. He's trying to come up. He's trying to get his name out there. He's willing to take risks. He works hard. Whatever it was in this context that he leads leads in with and then to defend him, to build him up, he referred to him as a nice little hillbilly from a circus town. And because I know Dustin and I also know Lafayette, Louisiana, <laughs> Connor nailed it. It was awesome. It was this wonderful line. And, but I got to go back that far to find a time when Poirier wasn't expected to get the WIN. He was a favorite in his fight with Max, just to put a perspective. He was a favorite in his very last fight where he got upset but by Justin Gaethje. So, I'm not totally sure what Poirier's talking about. He says he does his best when he's an underdog. He's fully aware of the situation. He is not underestimating this opponent, which is something that I believe was counted on by my partners at DraftKings when they set the line. I believe that. I believe the person that turned this number in knew who Denise was, knew how great he was, and assumed because of the stardom start of Poirier that he wasn't aware. Because he is in a hard fight, and he definitely does great work at all times. But there is nothing by the numbers that you could point to to justify how Dustin Poirier is an underdog. Gary gave me the business a couple of months ago. I did not like it, I must tell you. And, and not because when I giveth, I can't taketh. Not that. I didn't like it because when he gave me the business, it was a retort to me defending him. And I knew by the tone that he rebuked me, that he had not heard what I said, that somebody else had told him and that somebody else had told him wrong. I ended up in a fight one time with Chris Curtis over the same thing. You guys know Curtis. Curtis is as tough and rugged as an old leather boot, right? But he's as sensitive, right? That's when he's in the cage. The rest of the time, the rest of his life, he is the most nice that you can hurt his feelings and he will let you know. He will let you know, right? That's a different level of sensitive. Right, that's a, that's a guy that really is in touch with himself. Curtis gonna go. He's gonna make some woman very happy. I'm telling you, he's he's gonna go on and write poetry. This guy's a different kind of guy. 
He's very kind. He just has an aggressive side that he can bring out for 15 minutes, and he goes back to being very kind. So when I get into a social media dispute with Curtis, I didn't want to be there because I didn't want to hurt a guy's feelings. That's totally different. <laughs> being mean is totally different than actually hurting somebody's feelings. Talking trash is totally different than telling the truth. When I talk trash about a guy, very seldomly tell the, it's the truth that hurts, right? Okay. I tell you this because I thought that Gary was getting a lot of bad information. I thought that he was handling his PR wrong. And the mere fact of how he came, I mean, it was very small. You probably wouldn't have even noticed it. It was very small, but I noticed it. And I thought that that spoke volumes to my other hypothesis that he's getting bad info. That is my larger point to his public rebuke of my defense of him. All right. So two days ago, there's something out of a town called New York City it lives on something called the internet, and it's called the MMA Hour. It's with somebody called Ariel Helwani. Ariel has Rampage Jackson on. Now, for my money, Rampage is as good of an interview as this sport has ever seen, and I don't know why he doesn't get mentioned. I get asked about it all the time. I, I would get personal questions about me and Connor, me versus Connor. And I always think, hey, you guys are missing one. Bisping will get pulled out of DC later in his career, started doing a great job giving you guys scripts. But I feel you're missing one. I feel you're missing Rampage. That was the original guy for me. That was the first guy ever for me in all of my experiences, anywhere that touched my orbit. That was the first guy where after a fight, you would tell the living, quiet, 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 so you could hear his interview. Never before or since. Anyway, Rampage goes on, Ariel show. And Rampage cuts a promo on Ian Gary. And he says, and Rampage has a new podcast. He's doing a great job, by the way. He's got this new podcast. And he invited Ian Gary to come on. So just knowing Rampage, I don't believe Rampage invited Ian Gary to come on. Just knowing Rampage. He has somebody that asked Ian Garrett to come on and did it for his show. And I, I know that we're playing a game with vernacular there, but it is important to understand that way of speaking because it would also help explain how Rampage could have had a detail off. It's just a really hard thing to pass a message and get it correctly. It's an old game we used to play, and I trust that you guys did too, but we played it when I was growing up called Telephone. And we played in kindergarten where we would all sit in a circle. So one kid would, would think of something, and he would whisper it to the kid next to him, who would whisper it to the kid next to him, who would whisper it to the kid, and it would go all the way around in a circle, get back, to, and, and, and when they said it, they would say it out loud, and it would be nothing like what the first guy said. It's a game of telephone. It is, it is so telling for life. It is so. I hope they play that in kindergartens everywhere. You need to know that about gossip. It is such a meaningful lesson, but people think it's a silly game and they forget. So I tell you this because I don't think that Rampage directly contacted Ian Gary. 
And Rampage said, I contacted Ian Gary, and he wouldn't come on my podcast. And Rampage is telling the story on Ariel's program, right? So now we got to give him a telephone anyway, now, and I'm recapping that. So now we got we got this game going that I'm very speaking about. And Rampage says he didn't come on because he was afraid he would get teased. He was afraid he would get lambasted. And then Rampage proceeds to say, man, I, I wouldn't have done that. I don't even know anything about him. Like, I'm hearing a rumor that, that his wife lives with the boyfriend and, you know, under the one roof and Gary's paying the rent. I mean, he's I mean, things like this, right? Like, Rampage is bringing these things in, redigging up the entire WAG Amazon situation while doing it from a standpoint of, I, I don't even know what's going on here. It was brilliant. Only Rampage can do it, right? Like, if you're eating Gary, not going on Rampage's show was the single best decision you've made in a period of time. You would have to grow up with Rampage. You would have to grow up in his neighborhood in Memphis and hang out with his buddies from your youth to know how to deal with what Rampage is going to bring you. He is simply one of the best. It's important that you know that. There's a reason they took him out of nowhere and put him in a in a secondary position on one of the great action hits of the entire summer when they redid the 18. Like, like, you can't just do that with anybody. Even Connor, they took him for a role. It was very small. He says a couple of lines. Rampage, second biggest star on the screen for an A-budget film. It's a very big deal with no, no experience. So Gary comes out and he rebukes Rampage. But see, now it's now it's made me think of my rebuke differently. Because if I thought that Gary had come at me with a tone that a young man should not, a young up-and-comer in this sport should not have come at me the way that Gary did. That was nothing compared to what he did to Rampage. But, but, but now I look at it differently and go, okay, well, hey, maybe I just don't know Gary. Maybe this is what Gary does. Maybe Gary's th skin is a little bit thicker. He knew when he came at me, he was going to get some bumps back. And if he's a guy that's sensitive to bumps, you don't come at me. But the same thing goes for Rampage. And Gary laid him out. I mean, Gary Gary went for And there's certain things that just work. New versus old, it just works. Who was fighting, guys? Was it, was it Tito versus Randy? Is that what it was? And Tito came out, and he's got the cane at the press conference. Is that who it was? There's a part of me that thinks that was Chuck, but Chuck just never would have done that. And Tito would. I can't remember if it actually was, but it, I think it was. And that works. Either way, it works. If Tito comes out with the cane because Randy's an old man, when that fight is over, see, that's when you find out if something worked. When it's over, how does it look? Well, that would have worked. Would have been exactly what Tito said. I am the new. He is the old. Bring me in and put me in the spotlight, which they were going to do anyway if he won. But hey, this is an old, decrepit man, and I'm a new young kid. If Randy beats him, shines Randy brighter. It shines him brighter, and it brings in a whole demographic that I now currently live in that gets to cling and come back and say, yes, the world does not belong to 18 to 25-year-olds. It just works. It works. Either way of the result of the outcome, the marketing for it shines the winner brighter. It was great by Tito. But that will always work. The young versus old, the new guy versus the old guy. I don't know if Rampage is in the Hall of Fame. Do they put him in yet? Rampage Jackson for sure will be in the Hall of Fame. No, I'm not sure if he is in it yet. So my point of Ian Gary, who is completely undefeated, he is a red-hot name. He is a handsome guy. 
my point of him coming after Rampage and being the new face versus the old, it works. It'll never quit working. It would have been a big deal had Gary let this go, had Gary let this slide. And there's also a pettiness to it. Many of you didn't know that Rampage had a podcast until I just shared that with you. And many of you didn't love Rampage's segment on Ariel's show the other night. That's not a bad thing. Ariel has guys on that are getting ready for announcements and, and these different things, right? It's, it's, it's a different spot. So it would have been very easy for Gary, who has a feature match on pay-per-view one month away, to do this to Rampage. Never happened. Just ignore him. But there's something about the pettiness that he did not ignore him that is very charming. And it's one of my favorite things about the character of Gary, the gimmick, in the first place. And frankly, I'm glad it's back. All right, guys, that is it for today's episode. Thank you for listening, and thank you for continuing to make us number one. Look at all the reviews you're leaving this program over on Apple Podcasts. We're drowning the other guys out. And you know what? I love it. Complete global domination. That's what a five-star rating over on Spotify is all about. I'm going to be back on Tuesday. I want you to enjoy your weekend, and I want you to remember I am Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.